The first reading is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 26, beginning at verse 1, and can be found on 203 in your pew Bibles. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is given you as an inheritance, and have taken possession of it, and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land that the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people, and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil to you, O Lord that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading can be found on page 1056 of your Bibles. Luke 21, starting at verse 1. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. As James said, we've been spending the last four weeks thinking about how we respond to a generous God. How we respond to the God who has given us so much. How we respond to the God who is in very nature generous. A God who loves, who shares, who dwells in community, Father, Son and Spirit. We have an amazing, generous God. And as such, we want to acknowledge that, we want to praise him. And part of our response, part of our discipleship is choosing ways in which we live our lives Choosing how we make the most of what we have 
of what God has given us. And we've thought about how we give our lives over to God. That's where we began. He has given us life, and he wants all of our life back. And we don't hold back from him. We don't compartmentalize our lives into the holy spiritual bit and the rest. We give all of our lives back to him. We've thought about how we use the gifts and talents that he has given us for his purpose. That amazing idea that he wants to use us, that we so often forget and don't feel worthy, and yet he's made us who we are for his purpose. And when we offer back the gifts and talents that he has given us, they can be used for his purpose, and we can see his kingdom extend around us. And last week we thought a little bit about how we share, how we share our homes, and how we share the lives that we have with those around, putting down some of the barriers, that sense of being open and honest with one another, being willing to be vulnerable in order that we might share. And today we're going to think about how we give. How do we give in response to all that God has given us? And that might be giving of possessions, it might be giving of money. And I've left this one till last, because often it's the part that we keep till last, once we come to know Jesus in our lives, we think about all those other things first. And, and actually giving of, of possessions and money is often the last part of discipleship when we come new to faith. It's often the bit that is the most struggle, the, the bit we struggle with most of all, the bit we don't think about or we don't want to think about quite so much, the bit we have difficulties with, mainly because we live in such an affluent place. We have so much and the whole idea of knowing what God is saying to us about what we give away of what we have is actually quite a challenge and quite a responsibility. Unfortunately, there's not a passage that says, here's what to do. You know, we can turn up whatever book and say, chapter 5, verses 3 to 10, will tell us. Oh, if only that were true, that would help, wouldn't it? But actually, throughout the whole of the Bible, we have principles of giving. We have people of God who respond to what God is saying and respond by the way that they live their lives, that show us some understanding of what we might think about when we come to make decisions about how we give. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a little bit of a snapshot, run through the Bible of some of the passages that are not set up as rules, but I think of them as principles, blueprints of the sorts of things we might consider when we think about this area of what God is asking of us in giving of our possessions and of our money. So if we get up the first slide up, thank you. And this is the most important principle, that giving is an act of worship. And that's where we began four weeks ago. That's why we've got our poster up, How Great Thou Art. This wonderful um, verse comes from Chronicles when the temple had been built and the people of God stood around and praised God and said, God, you are amazing. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything is God's. And that's where we begin that this world is God's. Everything that we experience, everything that we have is God's. And we're custodians of it. We are able to use it and to enjoy it. But the world and everything in it is God's. And he is great. He is powerful. He is majestic. He is splendid. And he loves us. 
And we praise him and we worship him when we sing, when we live our lives. And giving is one aspect of that. Just one part, but it is a part of our worship. It's not an add-on. It's not something we, we think about in a different context. It's part of our worship because of who he is. We give out of response to all that God has given us. And if we don't remember anything else about today, let's remember that. That our attitude towards giving is in response to who God is and all that he gives us. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the majesty and the splendor. Let's move on. It's going to be quick through. But the next principle is that giving is a priority. And this comes from the passage that we had read earlier. When you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Now, it's a long passage and we stopped. We could have carried on with it. But what's happening here is that God's people have been rescued out of Egypt and they're now in the promised land. And again, they are giving because of what God has done. He's saying, remember what I've done. I've rescued you from Egypt. So again, it's in response to all that God has done. But he's saying to them, what I want you to now do, you've taken possession of this land. This is yours and everything in this land belongs to you. But I want you to take the first fruits the first parts of the harvest, the first part of the crop, and give it as an offering to God. And that shows us that giving is a priority. It's something that we consider in accordance to everything that we have. It's not what's left over once we've chosen how we choose to spend our money and whatever is left we give back to God. God is saying, actually, no. Your response in giving is a priority. And it's something that you make a decision about when you're making a decision about everything else. When you're considering your budget, when you're considering how you're using your possessions, when you're considering the crops of your fields, whatever it might be, the decisions you make about what comes back to God is made at the beginning. It's not whatever is left once everything else is done, if there is anything left. So we need to be serious about it and to consider it and to spend time It's not always popular having sermons like this. But actually, it's important that we we hear these principles because if I'm not saying this, then we're not creating a culture where we recognize that this is important. And each one of us needs to give time to come before God and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you asking of me? And whether we do that annually or biannually or or weekly, depending on how we, we make decisions about the things we have, At some point in our lives, as we make those decisions, what we give away for God's purpose is important and it needs to be a priority, not coming in at the end. And that links with the the next verse, where giving is planned. And that's much more similar of what I've been saying. Each man and woman should give what they have decided to give, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It doesn't rule out generous spontaneity. We plan, we make it a priority, we make a decision and think, this is how, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to spend my, my money. But if something arises that we want to respond to, God loves that too. 
So we see a disaster appeal on television and we think, well, that's not part of my plan giving. But actually, I want to do that. And that is that sense of the generous God speaking to us and us responding in generosity. So even once we've planned, even once we've made it a priority, there's no stopping us responding when we see something that arises. And God loves that too. Number four. Giving is proportionate. Going back to Leviticus, back to the the way that God was telling his people in those early days of, of how to live. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. And that's followed up in 1 Corinthians. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. This is where we get the idea of tithes. And some of you will have heard of that word and others won't have. And we might think of it as being a historic thing. We think of tithe barns. We think of that medieval sense of the villagers having to give away the first tenth of all that they had. The tithe barns where that first tithe of the harvest was stored so that in times of need there was enough for everybody to have. There is some, um, I'm not a rector, I'm a vicar. But if you're a rector, you have that title because in, in the olden days, the, um, the rector received the tithe of the parish um, and that's how they managed to, to live. Um, this wasn't set up like that, even though it's a very old church. But that's why there's a difference between the word rector and vicar. It's all about whether the, the rector received a tithe. So a tithe is basically a tenth. And it was a way of working out What was an appropriate response? God doesn't ask for everything because we need to live. Some people are called to give everything away, but most aren't. Most are not. And sometimes people say to me, you know, we are so affluent here. Does God want me to give everything away? And I don't see that in scripture. I don't see God saying everybody has to give everything away. But everyone needs to give proportionately to what they have. And a tenth has been a traditional way of thinking about that. I don't see it set in stone. I think, again, it's a principle. It's something that helps us think what is appropriate and right in my response to God. Personally, I've always used the tenth as a way of helping me. Because if you're pulling figures out of the air, where do you start? And that idea of tenth is actually quite a useful way for me thinking out of the income that we have, what is it right to give away And we try as much as possible to live with that tithing principle. It doesn't always work. And people will have arguments as to whether you tithe after you've paid tax or before you pay tax. I think that's getting into the rules. And I don't think God's about rules. I think God is saying, I will have a principle of you being generous. And a tenth is a generous response. What is your generous response? Don't get tied up with figures. But think about generosity. And setting aside something to give back to God. It's like when we were talking about our gifts and talents, it's to be used for God's purpose, to be used for good in the world. The next one. Giving is done in community. This reminds us again of what we were doing last week. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. And then 2 Corinthians, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. 
These are both examples of stories of the early church. The first one, those early believers, soon after Pentecost, when the church was growing in force and people were living in that sense of community and looking out for one another and being generous with what they had and sharing it. And then the passage in Corinthians is about churches supporting other churches. So where there was a need, in, in, if one church had much and another church didn't, that they could actually give that over in order that God's early church could exist. That was why this was happening. The sense of supporting one another. And there's something very special about our giving being done in community. That God speaks to us as individuals, but he speaks to us as a church family and says, you know, as a church family, I have given you much. How are you going to respond in generosity together? I think we have an amazing example of working in community for, for this purpose. When we had the gift day two years ago to buy a property which Nicera is living in, that was something that we took seriously together. We felt God was saying, yes, this is the time to do it. We had a wonderful legacy that started us off but it was about half of what we needed. And there was a real sense that God was saying, here's a moment, here's a time, when actually as a community you can respond to something that I am doing amongst you, a ministry amongst you that is growing, and that this house will enable that to continue. And we had our talking about it, and we had our gift day, and we were able to buy the house outright and also have enough money for the initial maintenance that needed to happen. That was phenomenal. That was us together, over and beyond our our normal giving, saying, here's a moment in time where actually we can do something together. And what an amazing sign that is of our response and of what God was saying, of hearing what he was saying to us and responding to it. And every gift mattered. It didn't matter how big or small. The fact was we did it together. And that is amazing. Each person played a part in buying that house. So it's our house. Giving is done in community. The next one. Giving is sacrificial. This is where it gets hard, isn't it? Because there are, there are principles in Scripture where giving can be sacrificial. And we heard that this morning. The lady in the temple. I tell you the truth. This poor woman has... I, uh, more than all the others, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Yeah, this woman has put in more than all the others. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. This is the, the hard one because we don't like to think of giving being sacrificial. I think it's not so much about sacrifice means as if you know you're going to suffer as a result of it. I think this is about the level of generosity and the the time at which God is asking that of you. And sometimes it will mean that we have to cut down on some other things. I think the other principles are, are more about the general sense of responding on a regular basis. But there is there are times when actually God is asking us to to go the extra mile. And when we do that, the blessings that we see are phenomenal. When I was first working, I lived in Edinburgh. I went to a, a, quite a young church. It was a church plant. 
And there was a lot of work needed doing in the building. We were in a very old church building, and it needed loads and loads of work done. It had been a dying church, and a other church planted into it, and I was part of that time. It was a really exciting time to be part of something new and fresh. And we had regular gift days because we needed so much work to be done. And it was absolutely amazing how much came in from a relatively small number of people. And you could see that people were making sacrifices, were not having a holiday in order to, to do this, or whatever it might have been. And, and time after time, we would have a gift day, and there's a huge amount of money raised. And every single time, after, well, over about three or four occasions, we would raise this money, and then a week later, a grant would come in that actually covered the work they needed doing, and that money could be used for something else that we couldn't have imagined possible. And the same thing happened again. And the same thing happened again. And there was something about being willing to give more than people could afford that God then said, I've seen what you've done and I'm going to honour that and I'm going to bless that. And we were on a high because you could just see God at work every single time and we looked forward to gift days. It was amazing. You know, really excited about it. We had half nights of prayer thinking, what are you going to do this time, God? And it was amazing. The more we responded sacrificially, the more God gave back. I mean, I don't know how that happens, but all I can say is I saw it, and it was just amazing. And my final principle, giving is done cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. So I shouldn't really apologize about speaking today on this, because actually this is something about who we are, and we should want to give in response to all that God has done for us. And when we do it in that way, we do it with a smile on our face. Of course we do, because it's in response to who he is. So giving is part of our discipleship, part of our Christian life and our Christian journey. Where we give is down to each individual. These are principles in the Bible, but the decisions we then make have to be done between us and God. I don't have rules for that. I have some thoughts, and again, I have some principles that we might want to think about. And I am going to say that there is a value in giving to the local church, because we are a community here. I will preface that by saying that it's not the only way in which we give. The way Paul and I tend to give is to think about half of our giving going to the local church, and the other half going to other organizations and charities and people that we have an affinity with. That's our personal way of looking at it. But the whole of our giving doesn't come to the local church, but a good part of it does. Why does it come to the local church? Because this is where I belong in a Christian family, and this is where I see very much God's at work and that I have a part to play in that. So if we believe that God is at work in this place and working amongst us, there is a sense in which we honour that by also allowing that to happen financially. And so I think giving to the local church is really important. Churches are self-funding. There's not this stream of money coming from the government to fund all the local churches. They're autonomous, and we have to pay our way. So there's a, a certain amount of money that we have to have in order to exist, not least the cost of a vicar. And some churches only have half a vicar, because they haven't got enough money to fund a full vicar. And then the work is limited. Because if you've only got half the time, you can't be investing and building. We need to maintain our building here. 
They're the sort of the nuts and bolts. What I'm far more excited about is the ministry that happens. That's what I really think. That's why I want to give to the local church. When we see what God is doing here, we want to be able to make that possible and to fund that. To be able to, to run an alpha course without charging people to come in. To open up our doors. To, to run messy church last week and see 50 people sitting down and having food to eat and they haven't had to pay for it. It's saying we have a generous God and as a generous church we want to open our doors and say come in. Come in and enjoy of what God has given us. And that's where I think it's really exciting that you know, as we invest in our local church, the ministry of that local church can grow and reach out to other people. So if we are considering giving to our local church, all those principles need to come into play. It's really useful to know what money is coming in on an annual basis so that we can budget and plan. Are we going to have enough for a, a youth worker next year? It's really dicey if you don't know from one year to the next. It's really helpful to plan and to know what is coming in. So we have regular giving schemes. We're in the process of considering swapping over to another one, and it's just about the mechanics of the admin of it, and probably next month we'll be hearing more about that. But giving by standing order, giving by regular giving, is a useful way for us on the finance team to know what is coming in. It's useful to review every now and again, maybe annually, maybe biannually. Is what I'm giving still the right amount? Should it be more, should it be less? Thinking about what God is saying, and that comes to play with the local church and to other organisations as well, and to other charities. Reviewing it, not just saying I'm doing it like this now, and ten years' time it's still exactly the same, when my situation might have changed, I might either have more or less. We should be responding to our own individual situation and again thinking, not making a decision once and for all, but reviewing from time to time. And I forget to do that. Hand on heart, I forget. Life moves on. And so maybe every two or three years we'll have a bit of a sit down and say, is this still right? Is this something else we want to be supporting? Or I'll get something through the post that will strike my heart and I'll think, oh, I'd quite like to support that. What are the implications it's useful, however you do it, to, to review from time to time. Is this still the right thing to be doing? But wherever we give, be it to the church, be it to outside organisations, prayerful consideration of what we're doing is vital. Because if we are doing it to respond to God, we want to do it with him and to hear from him as to what he's actually saying to us. We pray about it. We take it to him. We attempt to listen to him. I'll never know if I've got it right. But sometimes in my heart, I know it's not quite right. And I do the best I can to make it right. But I'll never know exactly, because God does not like that. I don't believe he has a set of rules that says, this is what I'm looking for. He gives us principles and he gives us an attitude, and an attitude to respond if he's a generous God, my attitude should be one of generosity and not of holding back or trying to cook the books in some way and pretend I'm not doing it quite right. Coming to God in prayerful consideration and thinking, where do I give this to? Where is the place it's going to be used most? Where is God asking me to invest for his work? Where can I see his work happening? And that's where we put 
the treasure that he has given us to grow and to blossom for him. We have a generous God. We respond with generosity. And we live lives that become more and more generous. This is just a passage that sums up all we've been doing over the last four weeks. The incarnation, the cross and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit reveal to us the astonishing depths of God's generosity toward humankind. It is the earthly life and parables of Jesus that show what this generosity looks like translated into human behaviour. In the life and stories of Jesus lies the potential for a way of life that can make real God's intention of wholeness for all. So if we want to know what it looks like, turn to the stories of Jesus. Look at him and let him be our model. The challenge for the disciple of Jesus, the people we want to be, is to be prepared to do whatever is needed to align him or herself with ways of living and giving that release rather than obstruct the flow of God's generosity. It's not actually my generosity. It's God's generosity flowing through me if I turn on the tap and allow him to do that through me. Doing so helps to create a social order that not only provides for the needs of all, but also redefines abundant living from the accumulation of consumerism to the fulfillment found in Christ-centered lives. We often sigh at the threat of consumerism around us and see how unfulfilling it is. Living generous lives, be it giving our lives back to God, be it using what he's given us with our gifts and talents, be it sharing our homes, sharing our time, giving of our money and our possessions, all of these allow us to find more and more the fulfillment that we will know when Christ is centre in our lives. Amen.